You know, I couldn't wait for this morning. Because I'm going to talk about my favorite subject. And there's, I know there's one lady in here that knows my favorite subject. No, 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 no. Miss Rosa. She knows my favorite subject. What is it, Miss Rosa? Food. Food. Food is my favorite subject. <laughs> she knew it that soon as I said. She knew where I was going. Yes. I want to talk to you about your diet. Ha! And I'm going to share with you this morning my diet. I don't have one. Woo! It's a seafood diet. I see food and I eat it. Hallelujah. Me and Tom are on the same boat. <laughs> I see him hurrahing me back there. Yes. Did I get out? No, hippie, you stay seated. Daniel chapter 1. You got your Bibles with you? Let's go to Daniel chapter 1. Because they talk about food in Daniel chapter 1. Yeah, see? I'm telling you, they had empanadas and bananas and apples and fruits. No, they didn't have empanadas. Maybe they did have empanadas. I don't know. This morning I want to talk to you about four prisoners of a controlling king. Nebuchadnezzar went and interrupted a land and took people from it. And so he had plans for four particular young men that came from a land in which he went and inhabited. Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Why these men, you ask? Children in whom had, they were chosen because they were children who had no blemish, but were well favored and skilled in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding and science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learnings and the tongue of the Chaldeans. You see, these, these were educated young guys. They would be developed into the king's dream team. Everybody knows what a dream team is. Every country has a dream team when it comes to the Olympics. They send the elite, the best of the best. The best sports people there are. Corporations have dream teams. They have men who are well-educated in their field. They have the best ideas. They're the cream of the crop. But this reigning king made rules that people had to follow. Even though they were his rules based on his own thinking, they were not based on God. And so, we'll find the rest of the story. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested that the prince of the eunuchs, 
that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should I see, why should I see your faces worse liking than the children which are at your shore? Then shall ye make me endangered my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then our countenance be looked upon before thee, and thy countenance of the children that ate the portion of the king's meat. And thou seest and deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Now let me stop there just for a second. This is for you vegetarians. And those of you who eat meat. Let me get let me just, can I give you a little can I give you a little something here? Thank you. I got some thumbs up. You see, God is the sustainer of life. God gives us what we have need of. Now I'm just I was just being facetious when I said, listen, you vegetarians. Listen, they ate just pulse. They just ate vegetables and seeds and fruits. They didn't eat any meat. They didn't drink any wine. And yet they were fairer. And what did the word say? Fatter. You see what I'm saying here? God, I'm saying that you can't discount what God says. When God directs you, he will lead you and you know, this is what I have to keep reminding people when they tell me I'm eating bad food. Here it is. You ready? This is your word for the day. The Lord said, don't call anything unclean that what I've created. And God created everything according to the word of God. I know some people are going to hit me after church, but what about your cholesterol? They gave me a little white pill for that. I know it's not what he intended for me to have. And yes, there are behavioral issues when it comes to eating. And we should watch what we eat. We shouldn't overindulge like I like to do. I know I've been to the doctor this week and he reminded me that I'm about 26 pounds overweight. As he said, I'm obese. Okay. I said, well, how do I fix that? He said, start exercising more. I said, I've tried that. He said, what happened? I said, well, the more I exercised, the more I ate. 
because I got hungrier. So it didn't work. Okay? But listen, the point of this is Daniel refused to follow the king's diet. He saw following the king's diet as self-defilement. He saw this as a diet of being unholy. Let me give you a sigh of relief when I say, I am not going to give you a lesson on how to eat and not to eat. What I'm saying is, you have to follow your regiment. You have to follow your instructions that you have set before you in order to live a good life, to live a productive life. You know, nobody wants to be laid up in the bed for the rest of their life saying, oh, I wish I wouldn't eat that last Twinkie. Now, I'm not down in Twinkies. Twinkies have their place. Twinkies have the shelf life of 100 years. And that's true fact. So that means there's a lot of preservatives in there. So if I can eat a box of Twinkies, I'm good for 100 years. Amen? Oh, I don't get any amens out of this crowd. Oh, Virginia's not in the room. That's why. But as you will see, Daniel's decision placed him and his friends in danger. You see, how many decisions have we made that have put others in danger? I'm not talking about just your food. I'm talking about overall decisions. You see, Daniel was captured. He was brought into captivity. He didn't have a choice to be where he was. And then on top of that, he and a few of his friends were selected to be a part of the king's advisors. So now they're moved from the general population into a captive population. And now these guys, they have to pony up. They have to show their smarts. And we see that because of what I just read to you. At the end of their 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh and then all the other children that did eat of the king's meat. Thus Metziar took away their portion of their meat and their wine that they should only eat and drink of the pulse, of the fruit, of the seeds. No meat, no wine, nothing that defiled their body. You see, what was the end result in this? As for these four children, God gave them knowledge, skill in learning, and wisdom. And Daniel had the understanding in all visions and dreams. God increased their knowledge. We perish for the lack of knowledge. But God increased them. This led them to the test to see which diet was the best. You see, the character afflicting Daniel's commitment was the servant, the king's servant. He was the director. He made sure that they ate exactly what was prepared for them. Why? Because he was, he was afraid that, that he would be beheaded. Because he didn't follow the king's orders. And back in that day, that's what happened. If you didn't do what the king said, you were, you were taken out. Nebuchadnezzar and his 
dream diet. This, this king had goals in mind for Daniel and his friends. They were going to work for him. He envisioned them being fat and flourishing as all of the other advisors. But you see, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that because his advisors couldn't do anything. What happened when the king had his dreams? Nobody could interpret them. And all these are the fat cats of the town. All the inner sanctum, all those who were supposed to be knowledgeable and smart and, and were able to understand, and they couldn't. Daniel's partners joined him in committing to be clean. Have you noticed that when you make a stand for God and what God says is right, and when you take that stand for God, you notice there are some around you, they kind of back off a little because they're not sure. But you see, when you make a bold stand for Jesus Christ, you will find more people standing up with you for what is right than that which is wrong. The commitment they called for the contest was Daniel's faith. Daniel's faith enabled him to challenge the eunuch. He, he enabled him to challenge those who were trying to take control of him. He was confident that God would come through. Why? Because Daniel always prayed to God. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times a day he prayed to God. So he knew God would be favorable to him. He and his friends had to do one simple little task. Church, each one of us have one simple little task. And it's two words. Stay true. You see, Daniel... And his friends decided to, to stay true to God. And because they stayed true to God, God proved the eunuch that they were everything that they thought they would be. They were smarter. They had more knowledge. They understood the science. Everything. They had the understanding. So what were they to eat? Instead of this diet, they only wanted vegetables and water. You see, pulse is used instead of vegetables in some translations. Pulse, in this context, is often taken as food grown from seeds. That's what pulse is. Food grown from seeds. Including fruit. And vegetables, and I hate to say this last word, but it's in the Word of God. It's not one of my favorites. I don't like them. Lentils. Mm -hmm. Lentils. That's what the Bible says. Not one of my favorites either. My father-in-law loved them. I just, I can remember going over to their house, and they smelled good. Cooking on the stove. But when you looked in the pot, 
Some things are better left unseen. Let's leave it at that. There are many challenges for God's people. We must believe that God will be up to the occasion that he is driving you toward. These three young men later would lay their lives on the line. See, they agreed with Daniel and they were willing to follow because they knew what it was to be true to God. Church, how many of us can say today, we know what it is to be true to God? See, many just float with, with whatever society's got going on. Many take, well, I, I agree with this today, but wait a minute, this is what's going on tomorrow, so, so I'm going to agree with this tomorrow. God is looking for a righteous people, a people that is going to stand holy and righteous in the days of tribulation. Church, we're fixing to come into a season of our lives I don't believe we're ever going to see again and before Jesus comes. Things are not going to get prettier. Things are not going to get smoother. Things are going to get rougher. But church, we have to make a stand. We have to make a choice. Are we going to stay true? Or are we going to catch the next floating wave of whatever happens to follow through? We must learn to look past the challenges to the victory. Church, I want you to always remember, no matter how bad, no matter how rough your challenges are, just know this, victory is ahead. You see, the enemy, he just loves nothing more than to just drive you and, and try to defeat you and to bring you down to a place where you just, where you just say, I forget it, it ain't worth it. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is the greatest challenge you are facing? If I asked you to take just for a moment, for just one moment right now this morning and say, what is my greatest challenge? I don't want you to tell me what it is. I want you to think in your mind, what is my greatest challenge right now that I'm facing? And then I want you to think about that challenge because know this, that challenge is only short-lived. Victory is coming. You see, commitment is a two-way street. Daniel was committed to God, and God was committed to Daniel. God is committed to you as you are committed to God. You can measure your faith, you can measure your walk by how committed you are to God. By saying, well, that's, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's, it's probably a little wrong, but it's, it's not like super wrong. You see, we have to make a choice to live a righteous and holy life. We have to make a decision. Are we going to follow true to God? I'm not saying your walk with Christ is going to be an easy walk. If you thought that, then you have gotten into the wrong walk. You've gotten into the wrong church because I'm going to tell you this morning, your Christian walk is going to be the hardest walk you'll ever walk because the devil is always going to be coming against you. He's always going to be pressuring you to make decisions that aren't based on God's word, but based on your own human instinct. It's not going to work that way. And I'm not saying 
that the Word of God is so hard that you're just not going to be able to live it? Sure, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to fall. There's none righteous, not none. That's what the Word of God says. So what does that tell me? I'm going to stumble. I'm telling you now as your pastor, I'm confessing before you, church, that I am not perfect. But because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I know he is my advocate. And I know that if I stumble, I can ask Jesus to forgive me and he will move me forward. He'll wipe my slate clean. I just love a God who knows how to forget. There's hope for me yet. Right, Jack? That's right. I'm telling you. You could have all your sins listed up here on a board. I could put your sin, I could f- talk to some of you and know what some of your past sins are, and I could put them up on the screen, you know. But you know what? When I turn that TV off, what goes away? The words, the sins. See, God's just like that. He says he takes your sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Yes, we got some down here on the earth. They just won't let it go. But thank you, Jesus, you let it go. You throw it, you forget about it. It's done, it's gone. Hallelujah, I know that I serve a risen Savior who says, I've died for you. I paid a price for you. I love you so much that I gave my only begotten son for you. You see, rejecting the king's defilement stood in its place a blessing that these young men would never forget. Ten days later, the undefiled ones were healthier and blessed. Church, the stronger you take a stand for God, the more blessed you will be. You hear me? the more blessed you will become as long as you're taking a stand for what is right in the Word of God. Matter of fact, even the king and his advisors, they were amazed. In verse 20, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than the rest. Woo! Aren't you glad you're a child of the God of the living God? You are better than the rest, 10 times better than the rest. That ought to make you happy. That ought to make you on your feet shouting for joy because God has chosen you. You are one of God's chosen. You are one of God's elite. You're one of his children. God loves his children. Right, Betty? God loves his children. God loves his children. Think of this this morning. Put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart this morning. Say this. Repeat after me. Jesus loves me. Hallelujah! Jesus loves me! I love that song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. For the Bible tells me so. Hallelujah. 
God's word tells me and affirms me because Jesus knows me. He died for me. He knew that from the, from the foundation of the world. These four became very important to the king. They became his trusted advisors. Serving God makes us a blessing to others. How many this morning want to be a blessing to others? I do. God should always have first place in our life. No matter what's going on, no matter what seems to be happening its way, God should always take first place. I'm going to shock you this morning. Maybe none of you, I don't know. God takes first place over my beautiful wife of 35 years. He has to be first above everything, including my wife, including my beautiful daughter, including my wonderful son and, and my wonderful sister. God has to be first. Church, when you put him first, you will find that everything that takes place in your life will be good. It will be blessed. You see, because it's telling you one thing. When you do this, you're saying, I am fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm fully committed to him. And when you're fully committed, that means you're fully surrendering. You see, when God says to surrender, we're to surrender without delay. Don't say, oh, wait a minute, i got to go home and clean up a few things first. got to make a couple things right, and then, Lord, I'll be back next Sunday, and then we'll get things worked out. No way. Fully surrendering means do it right now. Let's have full surrender to the Lord, and we do it without delay. You see, Daniel's name means God is my judge. And when Daniel's name was changed to a Babylonian name, Belshazzar, it meant protect the king. You see, either way, you look at Daniel's name. He, he was one who loved God. He was going to protect Jesus. He was going to say, God is my king. He knew God was his judge, and now he was going to protect him. It's amazing how God just took that instance of names. I could tell you the names of the other guys, what they meant and what they were changed to. One was a little sad. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious but changed his name to Shadrach, means tender. Michelle is like, who is like God? When it was changed to Meshach, it became, who is what Akua is? Now, Akua was derived from the name of the Babylonian god of the moon. Azariah means Yahweh has helped. Abednego means servant of light. You see, all of them had been given Babylonian names. You know what I love about this? Their name change? 
You see, all of our names are going to be changed. For in Revelations it says that we're all going to be given a new name in glory. You're not going to be known as Bob, Irene, Doris, Dick, Ed, Sharon. You're not going to be known as those names. You're going to have new names. I'm going to be Ralph. <laughs> you remember Ralph on Happy Days? They called him Ralph the Mouth. Hey, just saying. We're all getting new names. But they're not going to be names that you have chosen. They're going to be names that God has chosen for you. That's priceless. It's priceless when I begin to think of what God is going to do for me when he comes again. For in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be off this earth. With the trumpet blast, the dead in Christ shall rise first. See, they have to have the blast. They can't hear too good. And then the rest of us will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. I just prayed this morning. Lord, can you come now? Can you come before I start slicing these bagels and putting out these donuts? I actually was praying on my way to church and asking the Lord, come now. I'll put the car in park so nobody will get hurt. But come now. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a more precious thing than wanting and waiting for our Savior to come. But church, we must stay true until he does. We must stay faithful until he does. We can't move. We can't, we can't rush things. Because it's all in his timing. You see, Jesus doesn't even know the day nor the hour that the Son of Man is going to return. Only God the Father knows. And the way I see things measuring up, it can't be long. It can't be long. I'm going to ask you the question this morning. As you bow your heads and you close your eyes, I'm going to ask you this question. Because I want you to think about it for a moment. What does your diet consist of? What does your diet consist of? Now we talked about four young men who were eating pulse. But I'm talking to you this morning. What does your diet consist of? Does your diet consist of the word of God every day? Does your diet consist of something from God's word or does your diet just consist of getting up in the morning, doing my own thing, and then coming home and going to bed? And you take no time out for God. You see, I believe that our diet must consist of 
having a part of God's word every day. Because that's the kind of diet church we need in the world that we're living in today. The enemy's darts are getting sharper and more piercing. And the only way we can resist those darts is with God's word. And we need it. We need it, church. We need it more than ever before. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you this morning that you have spoken to our hearts. I thank you, Lord God, this morning that we can, we can know that you, Father God, have given us a consistent diet of your word. Lord, I pray this morning that these that are here, may they feast on the word of God. May they, may they take time every day to allow this diet to impact their life. Lord, for you will make them fairer and brighter and more knowledgeable than those who deny your word. Lord, I know I need this diet. I need this diet to be in your presence. Because Lord, I know the enemy is just waiting right outside these doors. He's waiting to attack. He's waiting to bring me down. But Lord, I know with your word, there are promises. But most of all, I know, Lord Jesus, with your word, I will have victory. Because you have prepared my diet properly. And Father God, I pray for each of these this morning. Let their diet be consistent. Give them a healthy portion of your word each day. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for these things that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.